Good morning. Do not be fooled like me, fooled by today's parable, not once, not twice, but three times. This is the third time this text has appeared before me in a preaching rota, and every single time I go into it thinking, oh, this is easy. It's just a simple dichotomy between the right way to pray and the way not to be, right? We'll just all should just be more humble. There's a country song about that, I think. Every time I'm reminded, though, that there's more to this parable than meets the eye. So let's start with the characters. Forget that this is a Pharisee and a tax collector. These are people that we know. This is us. Imagine the scene as they walk into the temple, two normal, average men. If they were to stand side by side, we might only notice their exterior anomalies, the things that, about them that look different to us. And we might know that their vocations are different, that one is a recognized religious leader while the other is a traitor, the tax collector working for the Roman Empire and likely stealing from his own people. The temple brings them together. In their prayers, we find an inner distinction between them. We see how they see themselves before God. The first one reminds God how righteous he is, and the other asks for mercy. The cells that they disclose in prayer at least appear different. Indeed, the parable gives us descriptions that one exalts himself while the other is humble. And yet, they are still alike. They still seek the same thing, God's mercy. Of course, it's easier to see repentance in the tax collector because this is his prayer. He bears his guilt before God. The Pharisee, meanwhile, buries his plea for mercy beneath all his achievements. To me, this is a sign of how much he needs and wants salvation from God. He is committed to doing the right thing because he believes in God's mercy. And so he states all the reasons that he is worthy of God's mercy, somehow making room for him to receive it. Now, of course, this is a projection of my own self. I grew up believing and knowing that my achievements mattered. I have always been motivated by external validation. I've spent a lifetime tamping down my rebellion in order to follow the rules. I believed, and still do, that working hard and maintaining a good reputation ensures my belonging. And I don't think I am alone in this belief. I know that there are others out there, parents, bankers, teachers, and yes, even some priests, who compare themselves with others. We regularly reward people for their good grades, their high productivity and accomplishments. 
When it comes to faith, this perspective can easily become a works righteousness, the thought that somehow we earn God's favor. Now, in some ways, both of these characters, to me, are opposite ends of the spectrum of works righteousness. One is a high performer, performing and achieving towards God's mercy. The other one is a, what we might call a low performer, that is, feeling only justified by their faith. Either way, they both expect to receive God's mercy by what they do to draw close to God. Both of them are working for God's grace. Now, lest we forget, the context for this parable goes back a little bit in Luke's gospel. The Pharisees come to Jesus and say, when is God's kingdom coming? And the essence of Jesus' response, his teaching, is that the kingdom of God is among them. Within this teaching, we have this one saying. Jesus says, those who try to make their life secure will lose it, but those who lose their life will keep it. This is one of those sayings that I feel like I understand, but have a hard time explaining or expressing. For me, personally, it's an invitation to trust God's activity in my life. In this context, Jesus suggests that when we offer our lives to God, we find our lives, and we discover the kingdom of God in our midst. From this place, Jesus tells two stories. Last week's parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge, and today's parable. Now, as often happens, I'm still thinking about last week's story. I have a hard time letting things go. And I began to wonder this week, so go with me, I began to wonder if we are the judge from that story and God is the widow. I don't mean to say that any of us do not fear God or respect people. Indeed, I believe this is a community that does seek God and respects one another. And I also know that there are occasions when we think more of ourselves than anyone else or even God. And at those times in our lives, when pursuing God is not a priority, what if God is like the widow, persistent and tenacious for us? Is there a time when we turned to God because what other option did we have? We could no longer avoid God in our lives. Can we imagine that God seeks after us the way the widow seeks justice? Can we imagine that God pursues us?
I see remnants of the judge from that first parable in the tax collector and the Pharisee today. Both of them turn towards God to give God what they imagine God wants. The Pharisee imagined that God wants all that he can achieve. And the tax collector imagines that God is satisfied with his confession. But neither of them, neither of them seem changed or transformed by their prayer. I mean, obviously, we don't have the whole story. We don't know what happens after they leave the temple. But if anything, to me, they appear more divided from one another than when they arrived. Neither is curious about the other. Instead, we hear only judgment. They are in the temple, in the house of God, and they seem to miss the presence of God's kingdom among them. The link between the two parables is prayer. In the first parable, Jesus calls us to persistent prayer that demands justice. Perhaps Jesus also commends a turning towards God as God pursues us. Now, the second parable to me is obviously about prayer. That's what they're doing in the temple is praying. Both of them seem to be in pursuit of God's favor through prayer. When the narrator turns our focus to the character of these two men. And so we might wonder, do they both find God? Do they receive God's mercy? But together, these parables weave a compelling image of what happens in prayer. The narrator invites us to examine our own hearts. Prayer is one moment when we will experience God's kingdom. There, we find God pursuing us as we pursue God. And in prayer, we have every opportunity to lose ourselves and make our way to God. Now, the good news of both these parables is that God's mercy does not depend on us. It's not something we can achieve. It doesn't rely on our stature or our status. It cannot be earned. God's mercy is a freely given gift, a secure and faithful promise from our Creator. Indeed, God's mercy pursues us. You see, God's mercy is already right here in our midst. Indeed, when we turn our hearts to God, we secure ourselves in this mercy. And this is where we will find our life, God's life in our midst. And when we are ready, it will transform us, drawing us closer to God and to one another, closer to God's kingdom right here, right now.